1: and welcome to this episode of property jam the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property and today we are back with a guest and a very special guest at that today we have ian bluck of the midlands <laughs> he represents he represents the whole of the midlands um, he's also an epic property investor and developer uh, as well as, um, I think you just, well, we'll let Ian introduce yourself. Over to you. Well,
0: you're making such a mess of it, he needs to. I
1: know.
2: Just I my baby brain. I can't break, make so. that
0: any worse, can I? Oh, you so. can.
2: You can say that you're from the black country. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
3: But just because I've got a really thick accent doesn't mean I'm from there. We're from oh, Birmingham. Definitely. Please don't get us mixed up with the Black Country. Nothing against the Black Country, but that is Wolverhampton and West Bromwich and Dudley and that type right, of thing.
2: Right, right, right. Go for it. Who are you, Mr. Bluck?
3: So, uh, yeah, my, my name's Ian Bluck. I've been invested in property uh, since 2014, uh, alongside a full-time job at Lloyd's Bank, which I still have. Uh, I sell cars for them. Been doing it 22 years. But it's enabled me to build a portfolio and a lifestyle sort of alongside that.
1: Wow. So this, is, this is the question that I've always
3: wanted to ask, Ian, is why do Lloyds Bank sell, sell cars? cars? Thank you. Right. So they have a big leasing company called Lex Autolease. Lease. So I have about 100,000 cars come back a year from them. At the end of contract, they come to me to get rid of. And they also own Black Horse Motor Finance. So if a vehicle is, uh, comes to the end of its personal contract plan, gets repossessed or voluntarily terminated, handed back, they all land to me to get sold. So I can sell anything from Lamborghinis to Bentleys, Ferraris, to Nissan, Micras, Vauxhall Courses, uh, Mercedes, <coughs> everything. So we sell about 125 <laughs> days in a year. But probably since 2016, we've done a big outsource deal, which I used to wear a, like uh, a 60-hour work week, uh, like a badge of honour like I'm the first in the office, I'm last in the office. Um, when we outsourced everything in 2016, that's, I went from sort of 300 staff down to 11 and I decided to be more <laughs> in control of my own destiny. So that's where the property become front of mind. And that's where we started taking it serious and probably acting more like investors rather than doing it as a bit of a, a bit of a hobby. So, uh, I love being part of the bank because you get so much learning from much more intelligent people than me, compliance, regulation. Like, we run a billion p So you get a load of responsibility, but you get to apply that in your own business, in your own smaller business, and all these things that you get. When you apply them to a small business, it makes it really easy to run. Oh. So, uh, so, yeah, that's, that's how... The, the property piece has come come about alongside my my full time job, so to speak.
2: Wow!
0: Wow! <laughs> and you 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 really love the day job. That's why you're holding on to it. It's like your passion. Uh,
3: look, don't get me wrong. If they made me redundant after twenty two years, I'd snap their hand off. Okay. Uh, however, I don't I don't see it as a chore. I see I Sometimes you go, I've got the day job with the Monday morning, but I look at it as an opportunity to learn different things that we mm-hmm. can apply uh, into this business. Uh, look, we're speaking with directors of Lloyds Bank. These guys are on big million pounds of, of, of salaries and bonuses, but we get to pick their brains. We get to work with them closely. Okay. And that so type learning. of learning... Uh,
2: more about that so like how have you like some of the learnings that you've observed within that environment like what's been a few nuggets that you think actually I can apply that to the smaller business that I operate
3: so we have so much around stress testing credit uh credit referencing all that type of thing so going back last year we used to stack deals and I always used to do my numbers at six percent and at the time, obviously, rates with a limited company probably ran three and a half, four. And I had so many investors, even my wife, saying, well, why would you put the numbers at 6%? Why did-? And I'm going, in case things change, we need to make sure that our numbers still stack up if things get in, into a, a different situation. And obviously, this year, from probably March onwards, we've seen that come to fruition. I'm standing there going, mm, told you so.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But it it just it, it just shows just little things like, that just not always taking everything for granted that being, it's going to be rosy. It, it's, it's looking at the, the not so good side of things and making sure your numbers still stack. Uh, from a point of view, compliance and regulation, obviously working for a bank really, really important. Uh, and we tend to do that in our own homes when we're doing uh, our HMOs or, or things like that, where we probably go over and above what's probably required. But then when the, the the environmental officer or HMO officer comes around, he sees the standards that you're working to. You build a relationship and you actually, you, you build that trust that you're going to do what you say you do and you're going to be a good landlord. You're going to be the people that they they want as landlords because you're doing <clears> the right <throat> thing. Uh, and it's just little things like that, that we, as you work for the bank, you take it for granted. Mm. But when you, come into a small business or the businesses and people don't do it and you show them what you're doing. They're like, Oh, wow. It's, it's different. Like we work with investors. We'll, we'll have project plans. I know it sounds really simple, but uh, if you've got all your numbers stacked up, you show them all your research and your investor pack, y- your plans uh, to, to to move the project forward. They'll be like, well, yeah, this is great. And then if you do what you say
0: you do, uh, you tend to make a success of it.
2: Mm, I love it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I guess as well, when you when you are working with investors and bringing people into the business, I guess that status or that level of diligence that you've got will really help them as well. It gives them comfort and um, certainty in what you're doing. And it's not just a stab in the dark or you just gone out and decided to buy properties without any thought behind it
3: no absolutely and, and a bit there's a bit of kudos working for the bank at, at the level i'm at where people actually go they, they, they actually like you guys were you're quite interested in well what what what's it like selling cars what 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 is it How, what do you do and mm. then when you put the the context behind it it actually it, it sort of helps build that credibility helps build that integrity that you're dealing with like large amounts of money on a on a sort of daily basis so
2: Given that you work for Lloyds and given that Lloyds is actually quite a good lender on the investment side, have you ever turned around and go, go on, mate, sort of brother out?
0: <laughs> In exactly no, that accent.
3: I've probably had more challenges getting credit Via lides than than probably I'll anyone else.
2: I bet. Uh,
3: so and uh, I've never quite used. Do you know who I am? Because like, <laughs> <laughs> they'll usually go, "No, do please explain to us." Uh, but I, I work for part of the bank where we used to be able to sell cars for, to staff. So when I say like, I, I used to run the cars for staff elements of the of the bank, everybody go, "Oh, I know about that." And you sort of build a bit of rapport there, but yeah, we've we've not been able to pull any strings and and get any better deals uh, like that. However, uh, you know, there's, there's always the future. We never know. We you can... know
2: what? If you ever apply for a Lloyds mortgage, like I'm, I'm telling you, in the application somewhere, you've got to say, "Do you know who I am?" Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere, <laughs> get that line in. <laughs> Love that so much. That's amazing.
0: That's <laughs> amazing. So, a question we ask everyone that comes on Property Jam is that: What does the human side of property look like to you, or what does it mean to you? Uh, this is sort of evolved over time, and particularly
3: uh, once you've got more involved in different strategies and and really having property front of mind as part of what I want to be doing. Very much before, it was just about housing families, right? But now we've moved into the professional HMO side of things, housing the vulnerable where we we currently house domestically abused women, uh, asylum seekers, uh, young offenders and homeless. It's actually building them a platform from that side of things to integrate back into society, but from a, a professional HMO, building relationships that we can provide nice, safe, warm homes across the West Midlands, right? But not only just that, the community elements in, into the uh, into the house. I know we're dead passionate about that. It's not just, we don't want people just to come and live in one of our rooms. We want them to create connections. We want compatibility. We want community. And we first started doing ours just before COVID uh, in that sort of things. And it's been that journey that we've just been able to make that better and better an experience for our housemates, both in the professional and vulnerable side, uh, which that 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 for me, from a housemate is really important. But then, from a developing and doing things alongside others, with investors, with joint venture partners, that it's not all rosy, things do go wrong, things do cost more, things do take a lot more time. There's lots of uh, challenges. I've, I was on one of, with one of my mentors uh, this morning, just on a quick chat, and he, he said, like, you've been an entrepreneur. It's not a linear line; it doesn't go like that. It's a bit like a roller coaster in a maze with some <laughs> mad mirrors where you're being shot at with walls that are, on- uh-huh. and it's it, it 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 is like that. It there's, there's so much that comes out. Of, yeah, you you can't get too low when things don't go wrong because you need to get things back on plan but you also don't to get too carried away when things are are going so well because you know there's probably something around the corner that are going to put things off uh yeah. so for me that's the human side of things it's it's you, you're going to be doing something but it's not always going to go exactly to plan and you've got to have the the sort of resilience uh and
0: the mindset to sort of get through it yeah i, I saw a I think it was a, a video on TikTok or Instagram or something quite recently where uh, Tom Hanks and several other um, well-established actors were sat around a table talking about you know, what, what they felt were like life hacks or things that they would instill in other people for someone coming through. Um, and Tom Hanks was saying that one thing that he wished he had learned at a lot younger or an earlier part of his career, was the saying that this too shall pass. Oh, so when you're in that period where things are going really bad and you're having a really tough time, what in in your in your business, that it will pass and it will get better. But also when you're having the really good times and everything is going really well and everything is rosy, that this too shall pass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'll come back around again. Yeah. So never never become complacent or cocky because. What's going well is not always going to be the case. It's never going to be perfect all the time, and the same when it's bad. Yeah, I, I just think
3: you 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 just get a bit more wiser as you get yeah. older. Uh, you know what I mean? I can imagine some of the things that I'd, I'd have done. You know, what I mean, we've had a bad January. We had a zero valuation mortgage. We've had a, a lease provider where it's fell through. A property <clears throat> that we bought recently that was in probate, we're working on since November. That's fell through. And it's all like oh god, right? You kick the dog, you you, you have a couple of <laughs> glasses <laughs> of wine and then kicking yeah. dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean. But now you, you, you have your fuck it for five minutes, there you 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 calm down, you write down your plan, and then you start executing that again. And it's that's how you've learned as you get older, where yeah. previously before you might have been a bit of a mood over in the house, mm. you know what I mean? You'd have been upsetting everybody because your moods and it's not in the right place, but as you say, it it does pass in the end.
0: It does, yeah. It's always difficult to see the end away or that point where it will be okay or things will settle down, especially when things are going really bad. But it's, uh, yeah, it's good to have that in the back of your mind.
1: And you know what? I don't think you actually, if I think back to all the things that I know in my mind were crap, I can't really remember the feeling or being there at the time. And t- I know that from project one, there was a hell of a lot of stress and it's been every single project. There has been a hell of a lot of stress at different points out the project. And, um, yeah, I don't really, I don't recall sitting there and crying, but I remember that I was, I, I was probably sitting there and crying at some point.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah we, we was talking about stress the other week and we feel that probably actually a bit of stress is actually good for you because it pushes that boundaries of your hula hoop to get used to it. Then when that comes around a second time, actually because you've dealt with it before you you sort of seem more in control again it's mm. but you've just got to keep pushing them boundaries of getting stressed that little bit more so your coping mechanisms can can sort of get used to them
2: i think it's more pressure than stress isn't it i think pressure is like with your ability to handle pressure before it turns into stress which often leads into a place of not being able to cope right well so, isn't there
1: yeah i can't remember who said this but there's no there are two types of stress there's 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 distress and then there's that U stress, like E U S T R E S S. Like one of them's good and one of them's bad.
2: Distress
1: sounds bad. Is, is, is Distress does sound bad? bad. Distress is the bad one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, distress. I'm googling oh, it now. I've, I've... I don't
2: know
1: that philosophy. There we go. Yeah, so eustress, e-u-s-t-r-e-s-s, moderate or normal psychological stress, in terms of interpreted as being beneficial. Okay, there
2: you go. That's what yeah. You're so, you have, so you have, you
1: have eustress and distress, and you you want to stay in that eustress state without getting distressed, and that's where you, that's that bit of growth,
0: isn't it? Well, I don't mind eustress, but I don't like me being stressed. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Very that's right. good. That's right. <laughs>
2: think I think what happens is the new stress stuff takes a while to bed in because it's not until you've got a bit of perspective and life experience where you actually see when you look back on stuff you go, oh I survived that I'll probably do it again you know it's it's a hindsight thing isn't it yeah and it it
0: is those it is those moments when things when the shit is hitting the fan that really um determines or proves your resilience and your desire to actually want to continue doing what you're doing because a lot of people will give up when yeah. times are hard um, and things are going wrong, they're like, that's it. I'm never doing that again. I'm never buying another house because it took me so bloody long to get this one over the line in the first place. Yeah. Or so then walk away from it. Yeah. Or like Matt said, just forget that that happened until you're in the middle of the next one. You're like, oh, here we go again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> been here before.
1: <laughs> you know what, recently, like, uh, my most difficult project um it's taken four and a half years to get the final thing the, the, the final intention of what, what you're going on day one going this is what we're going to do it took four and a half years to get that final bit done um and it when it's when you're there and you're just like hang on a minute so we had this thing which you bought for 430k which then we developed it it went 100k over budget uh, but then it got revalued up at 1.1 and then you just get a piece of paper that says no it's worth 1.6 so uh, you, get looked, you look back and go, yeah, was it worth it? Yes, it was probably worth it.
3: Mm. We've done that with our own home. Like, so we, when we moved into our own home in 2018, it took us like nine, ten months to get the planning we required. Then getting the funds was a challenge. Then we had problems with the builder, timescales, going over. And it all ended up being about two years. But now we sit in our back garden and look what we've built and you look back and you go... Yeah, that was fine. About the time, me and the builder were like nose to nose. That time, going, <laughs> you said you'd do this. You said it in, and it it becomes what what won't hurt you in five years' time. You'll look back and you know what I mean. It'll all be it'll all be very different.
1: Just sounds mm-hmm. like every, every building project. That does
3: sounds like a normal day to day. But, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, but
2: when, just... you, do own own, when yes. you do it on
3: your own home, when oh, you do it on your own home, and people go, disruption. well, I thought I thought you knew what you was doing, but because yeah. it's your own home, you, you sort of you're probably not as diligent as. As when you do a project with somebody else.
1: Yeah. yeah, my my parents are just in the middle of that process, and in maybe and in in summer when they're sitting on their patio with the hot tub and everything's sorted, they'll be going, "Oh, yes, it was worth it." Right now, they're <laughs> enjoying life.
2: Oh, it's so because you're so emotionally invested in it as well, and it yeah. feels much more fatiguing. And it's a, and also when it's your own home, the it's it's that. You know, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, where shelter is just one of the most important things, and security, it's like both of those things feel affected. So you can't live and you can't sort of relax. It's a horrible feeling.
3: Yeah, yeah. security when you've got no roof on the house can be quite like it's challenging.
0: Uh, it's <laughs> very challenging. Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. And the, a rain, the bag, rain's a nightmare. I mean, absolute nightmare. I
0: think roofs are overrated, personally. <laughs> Who needs a roof on their house?
2: <laughs> oh, so silly. Um, amazing yeah right here we go So we, we want to know mister have you come armed with a question for us
3: yes yeah, so so i posted it on linkedin and facebook and there were some quite uh challenging ones particularly from van at coho which <laughs> probably, probably don't think was appropriate right so they're
2: so in there about an asphyxi wank because he's obsessed with those
3: <laughs> no but well, he did mention that to me
2: yeah
3: uh but he was yeah. he was talking about nine inches or three inches. But anyway, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> right? I'm no, not going to go there. So I actually asked my kids. So I've got four young children. Uh, eight, seven, five. No, eight, seven, four and two. Oh. Right? And we always play a game called Would You Rather? Okay. You played that? I
2: think yeah. So.
3: Yeah. Right. Okay. So they said, you got you got to play that game. But I'm going to try and do it just so it's a bit involved properly. So... Would you rather be stuck on a desert island with Samuel Leeds? Oh, would you, or would you be rather, or would you rather be married to Piers Morgan? Oh
2: Oh, my god, okay, I know the answer.
0: Yeah, I think I know it's all about Samuel.
2: Honestly, I told you. I think
0: think I would rather be married to Piers Morgan.
2: Okay, so I'm with you, but what's your reason?
0: Well, if you're married to him, he's a very busy man, so he's always off doing his own thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's he, he's earning shitloads of money, so he'd be a great investor to have on the doorstep your own yeah. uh, personal bank fund. And you can divorce your husband or your wife, whereas if you're stuck on a desert island, there's no way off it.
2: Well, it's murder, isn't it? There's, there's,
0: a, way, way there's a way out of it. <laughs> well... <laughs> There's a way out of the marriage without going to jail easier than there is out of a desert island or deserted
2: island. I love that we defaulted to the same answer because I was like, yeah, I'd marry Piers Morgan because I could divorce the fuck out of him and just rinse him for all his money. Because, and that's not my attitude to divorce, having gone through it. But um, with him, oh God, everything, every last penny. With Samuel I'd kill him.
3: Would you put his issue with his infatuation down with Cristiano Ronaldo as the reason for divorce?
2: Probably, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I would just marry
0: dosary. him to get close to Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Honestly, both of them can marry each other as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, yeah, no, no thanks. Just, yeah, no, just, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd divorce him on the grounds of adultery uh, with Cristiano Ronaldo and I'd, I'd absolutely take him, take him to the cleaners. And, yeah, with Samuel Leeds, I mean, I mean, I always feel bad because we do slay him and stuff. And, look, I don't know the fella. But um, I, the image that he puts out there on social media and having, ugh, the boys know this, I was teaching next to him a few months ago in another room, and it sounded like a fucking disco was going on. That's not property education, you know what I mean? And I, I don't have much respect for him. So that would, if you were then in that environment, trapped on an island, bad things are going to happen you know he's going to end up on you know in a sand pit and he's buried or drowned
3: (laughs) i think matt's been quiet
2: yeah where's your head at
1: matt
2: um so, so basically
1: you're telling me that i have to uh either be on a desert island with samuel Leeds or change my sexual orientation
0: but if you're on a desert island with Samuel Leeds and there's no one else there, your sexual orientation may change anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never know.
1: <laughs> swim a long way. Um, I, I probably would take Piers Morgan as well. Fair enough. Uh, that's that's, is, is that the episode movie. title, um, Samuel Leeds versus Piers
3: Morgan?
2: I think so. I think I'll so. get
3: quite a lot of traction.
2: I think you might. <laughs>
3: I think that's probably the first time Piers Morgan has probably won a popularity contest. 100%
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That
2: was a good Hands question.
0: Down. So now he's got the pick of us. You know, he could marry any one of us.
2: Oh, God. That's so funny. That was such a good question. So unexpected. I loved it.
0: So, what about you then, Ian? <laughs> yeah. Throwing it back at you.
3: Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go for Samuel. I don't want him to feel left out.
2: Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh man, you know,
3: we talk we talk about the human side and inclusivity and diversity. Oh, true. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah I'll, I'll take one I'll take one for
3: the team, guys. I'll take one for the team. You're a
2: good yeah. human.
0: Um, yeah, okay. yeah he, he might be a very nice person. You don't know what he's like in reality, what That's the right man right. is what is actually like. So very true. You could be on to a winner, and we could all be very jealous of you. Yeah. And we'll have our own desert island and you'll be a divorcee of Piers
3: Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, now can be the first wife, I'll be the second, and Matt can be the third. There you go. That's
0: fine. I can wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can have my sloppy seconds. <laughs> he's
2: going to be skinny by the time he gets to you. <laughs> oh, that was so unexpected. I loved it. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the strategies that you employ, and because it sounds like you've got quite a diverse portfolio on the HMO side. When you talk about the vulnerable tenants, are you so let's just say it's asylum seekers that you're providing housing for? I presume. I mean, how does how has that worked in shared accommodation? Because in my conversations recently with um, Northeast Links Council, in particular. They're adamant that shared accommodation is problematic when it comes to refugees and asylum seekers and they're saying that they look for single dwellings because especially with afghani refugees they come in quite large families and so mixing can be sometimes problematic and i just wanted to get your take on that
3: so uh so the 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 way we got into uh the social housing is we we had some service accommodation by the nec in birmingham which was uh it was it was doing very well, from a point of view, people like lots of trade shows at the NEC right by Birmingham Airport. Uh, and I remember our biggest, uh, our biggest booking, I think, was about two and a half grand for two weeks during crufts wow. because we let a woman bring her 11 dogs into the house as well. Wow. So, 11 <laughs> dogs,
0: bloody hell, yes,
3: and I didn't keep one of them. <laughs> <laughs> just, just putting that out there.
2: Good to
3: know. <laughs> Uh, but when Covid hit, we had like three months of maybe getting a thousand pound a month profit where we had nothing and just bills. Yeah. And we was like, right. Okay. And then a lad I used to play football with, he runs a project called start again, where he works with young offenders and, and houses them from relocations around the country. Uh, and he said, look, look, would you be interested in in using one of your properties for this? And I'm like, no, I had this perception of they're going to wreck the house uh, there's going to be loads of problems it's going to cause problems for the neighbours and he said look come and have a chat come look around one of our homes and what we do and that was actually really nice not like our service accommodation was at a really high standard but it wasn't what I expected and then I just got speaking to some of his uh, his, his colleagues that he's working with and the people that he's rehoming and there was actually just genuinely nice people they've just got in with the wrong crowd
2: right.
3: and what happened is we we give that one and then there was uh there was no issues everything was was going okay and we quickly done another couple with them and we've never had any problems we we have a fully insured repair lease and from that point we was like we actually want to ensure we maintain these standards of providing homes and vulnerable at a really high level so uh from that point we work with a, a property group, so we actually don't get involved in that part. What we do, we provide the home to a really good standard yeah. for them to hand over. And yes, we like to go in and, and meet the people, but we don't have no choices over the selection of them and, and what they uh, what they do. That becomes uh, their part of what they play in the in the partnership. Mm. So,
2: but it would be a case of the houses wouldn't have like a mixed tenant type. So it wouldn't be like. Um, victims of domestic abuse, asylum seekers, refugee, it, it would all be very clear cut in terms of yes, terms like, yeah.
3: Yes, a- absolutely, they, they, they all have uh, various things that they'll work with, so they never, they very much what we don't do in our professional HMOs, you sure, tend sure. not to mix the demographics of yes. students, uh, work. working professionals, yeah. factory workers, that type yes. of thing, because we've learned that, uh, I spoke about earlier about compatibility, about connection, about community, they're important to get right in the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I, I used COVID as one of the examples. I had a house, which I just called, like, the, 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 the Soccer Saturday house. It was five lads. Every Saturday afternoon, they'd get their crate of carlin. they'd watch Soccer Saturday, and they'd have a few beers, they'd go out together, and on the Sunday morning, they'd be cooking their breakfast together. Oh. So I know if we was going to be putting something in that house as a little, thanks, guys it was going to cost us 50 quid for a couple of crates of carlin and some bacon and sausages and eggs for the Sunday morning. But that for them was happy. That was their house. That was what they wanted to do. They all connected where we had one round the corner where there was a PT instructor, uh, uh, a spin instructor, uh, a nursery nurse manager. And they used to do workouts together, uh, uh, in the gardens during covid and we got some second hand weights off facebook marketplace or Gumtree, tree wherever it was give it them and they was that was their thing in that house so you know what i mean each type of strategy and each type of uh house needs its own care and attention i believe just to get right yeah it's gonna have um, its
2: own personality isn't
3: it yeah and that's that very much stems from the early people you put in that property very
2: true yeah so true I love that. And I loved it. Uh, it was actually your point about compatibility that made me ask the question about tenant type. I was thinking, yes, it sounds like you're very sensitive to that fact. So, yeah.
3: Don't get me wrong. We've got it. We've had to go through <laughs> the, the hard parts <laughs> of getting it wrong first and realising, uh, realising how important it is. Yeah. yeah. But There's it, it, not many things you get right first time. As no, well, basically,
1: so basically, to you find your tenants, you go down the gym and say anyone looking for a house and you go down the. The, the football grounds. Say anyone looking for a house.
3: Yeah, depend. Well, depends. Depends who's in there. Yeah,
1: different different uh, tenant types. <laughs> you, uh, yeah. Identify your uh, niche and you say, right, we've got a house here.
3: But what, yeah. What's been good now though is, like, because we, we're we're really consistent on posting on social media uh, from a LinkedIn point of view, and really we just put the same content across both Instagram and Facebook. But you've we've become we've built up a bit of reputation where friends, friends of friends, families, you get, you get tagged in stuff to say, look, have you got homes? I'm part of a huge golf network where we've been able to help people find homes in different areas of the country. We've been able to help find investors. We've actually used the network to help do some of our developments uh, and things like that. We've, we, we, we built an education course online last year. Just about my framework and routines that have helped me sort of start my portfolio but it was somebody in my golf network that that done that for me so it's it just i know it's really cheesy but the the people you surround yourself with your network is your net worth it's
0: it it does make a difference Mm. well i guess there's a reason why so many people say it is because it's actually true (laughs) as cheesy as it is it it is but
3: it's as you say that there's some of this cheesy stuff that's you know what I mean? I try to steer clear of cliches like the plague, uh, but it's uh, <laughs> but these 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 cliches that they are a cliche for a reason because it's it's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? They they they, they tend to uh, they tend to mean a lot.
2: No, yeah, they do. They really do. No, it's 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 a really interesting point, and I think that all those Cs that you mentioned about you know comfort, compatibility, community. It's really becoming people. I think landlords now, certainly the good ones, the more professional ones, are really sensitive to how important it is to get that right from the jump, like you say, because that can be the difference between actually a house project, well, an HMO working or not, right? You get the tenants' wrong, you're on the back foot from the jump, and that has a huge impact on profit as well.
3: It so. is because you, 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 you have people that, it will, A, take a lot of your time trying to... Uh, sort of pacified maybe arguments or things in the house you get people that potentially then don't start paying then people wanting to move out then uh, getting new people in and going through that whole process again it's all time and money isn't it so uh one of the big things that my mentor like as part of the one percent club it's getting and keeping your customers it's so expensive to get a customer so you need to do what you can to keep them yes Um, Mm -hmm. I don't want to call them customers. We, we I prefer to use the, the term housemates. But ultimately, you're providing a service and a home to them. So they are customers, really. Yeah,
2: paying customers. Well, hopefully paying customers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they
1: see themselves as paying customers. I think that's one of the things. They don't see themselves as having to pay themselves. No. Mm, that's mm.
0: true.
2: My cat's decided to join us. She's. Are um... oh, hello. Well, she, she, has a, she
0: has a regular guest on Property Jam. <laughs>
2: she really is. But the worst part of it is she's just used a litter tray. And let's just say that the, the, the residual odour is not pleasant. Really? <laughs> uh, oh, you talk about kicking the dog, I might kick the cat in a minute. It's pretty really quite gross. So um, how about we shift into a game of episode roulette? Do we feel ready?
1: I think so. Let's so, uh, Joe, I believe this is uh, you. With I'm driving. The, ah. you're, you're driving and, or scrolling
2: scrolling 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 so Ian and to first time listeners of the podcast um we every single um time we have a guest on we like to play a game called episode roulette and the way it works is we scroll through episodes so I keep so I scroll I scroll I scroll and our guest says stop and whatever episode I land on we ask for the guest's human perspective on that particular episode topic so we're not going to be quizzing you on the episode because that would just be cruel <laughs> which I know you're a super fan Ian obviously you've listened to every single episode obviously. I think I missed one. Oh, fair I don't I
3: don't want to I don't want to say like I don't want to take that, that fine. accolade but... fine <laughs> fine
2: that's fine um, at least you're honest I love that I love that Good. so okay I'm going to start scrolling and when you're ready say stop <clears you>. stop <laughs> oh yeah this is interesting Episode 18, property projects, what's your favorite fit? Uh,
3: I do like the design bit, right?
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah, just, I, I've i now tried to stop me wasting loads of time scrolling aimlessly on various social medias to try and make it a bit more productive and just going on Pinterest and saving all the really nice designs that I want huge houses to look like. <laughs> uh, but I also I also like the uh, meeting housemates, so on viewings, like trying to find if they're uh, they're going to fit into the house, you know what I mean, previously, I've done a lot of, obviously people management at Lloyd's. Mm. So it's important, again, getting the right people in range you for your team. But I look at when you're going out to meet people in that part can we get the right people for the house? So I actually like that part.
2: Mm, that's good. That's really, really cool. And just designing it for those those people in mind and kind of thinking it through, mapping through the space.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I, I see these guys and, and the properties that, that they've done. Uh, Tej Patel, we, we're just looking after one of his homes in our, in our co-home property management brand in Northfield in Birmingham. They're just stunning homes. Uh really, really top draw. And it's I don't have to do my sales pitch when I'm with somebody mm. because the homes tend to sell themselves. Yes. Mm. It's just it's just taking them round and and just showing them what stunning properties they are. And, that, and that's what i go back to. Like once <laughs> I surround myself with people like that and you're you're working alongside them, for them, with them, uh you get exposed to all this 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 type of design, this type of thing that you can then go and overlay in your own projects.
2: Copy it, basically Nick it, nick their ideas. Basically. Copy, copy
3: the best bits and uh... share, share best practice.
2: There you go, share best. I love that. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> or selfishly steal, whichever. Yeah, yeah. Selfishly steal.
2: <laughs> 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 All right, great. Right, I'm going to do another scrolly wolly. When you're yeah. ready, say stop. Stop. Oh, okay. Uh, joint ventures, episode three. I mean, you you say we a lot. Are you actually in joint venture partnership with somebody or some people?
3: Yeah, so so I've got a property business with my wife. Lovely. Uh, a property business uh, where I, I used to do some of who I work with. Then we've got another couple, uh, one with uh, uh, an optician Jay, and then one with uh, Nick, who as uh, part of my golf networking group. So part of a number of, them, and I actually we've got loads on the burnout because actually one of my big things is I like to mix my passion of golf. Now I'm a bit older with property, mm-hmm. so as being part of this networking group called for business, we actually get to host loads of people on the golf course. Yeah. Right? So it's really good because they can't run off for four and a half hours. Right. Nice. So, they're, so they're by your side. You can actually see if they can count because if they struggle counting, they probably don't want to be <laughs> uh, being business with them. You can see how they react when things aren't going well. Are they in swearing? Are they throwing the clubs everywhere? Because, if they don't like things not going well, probably property is not for them. <laughs>
2: that is uh, so, so, so you
3: can find out so much about somebody in four and a half hours around there, but then you're sitting in the bar together and you're having a few beers and a bite to eat. And I love that hosting bit about getting to know people. And, and that's been quite successful for us mm. in building up that potential portfolio of people to do joint ventures with, work alongside, loan money from. Uh, and it's something that I then I enjoy doing. So I've got to go out and play golf and talk about property. My wife goes, well, aren't you supposed to be at work? No, that is my work. That I am work. working.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That makes me picture. Do you know what? I love the fact that you use like golf as a human barometer for business. That's so great because it's so true, isn't it? You just, you're just you testing them without them even realising it. You're like, well, if you're losing your shit over like, not getting a good swing, imagine what you'd be like if a deal went wrong, right? Like, yeah.
3: Look, and and it's true. It's like you 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 spend four and a half hours with somebody, and you you don't just talk about property in that four and a half hours. You get to really know them. You get to know a bit about their family, their values, their interests. And don't get me wrong. There's probably more people that don't want to do business with than do. Yeah. But it helps you weed out that type of uh, person that share your same values and that you. Because if you get into a joint venture, it's for the long term.
2: That's it. Mm. I think people underestimate that. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big thing. All right, I reckon we've got time for one more, don't you, Matt?
1: Yeah. Quick, quick fire round.
2: Quick fire round, which it never is, is it? We always say that, but we never... <laughs> okay, right.
1: It's a quick fire round. There we go.
2: <laughs> All right, so I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to make of this. Okay. Episode five. Um, What not to wear. So just to give some context. This, this <laughs> Yellow
1: context, t-shirts.
2: This episode, this episode was all about, do you have like a certain, almost like uniform that you wear when you're viewing property or you're meeting investors or that kind of vibe? Or like, do you just not even think about it?
3: I've got, right. So I always used to, I was massive on wearing a suit at work all the time. Always with a tie, because one of my, my bosses, my old boss, he used to say to me, like, the way you dress, it's a big, important factor. Now, the other day, I posted about this yesterday. I've only just had a shave, right? I hadn't had a shave before Christmas. My beard is <laughs> <was> out here. <laughs> I went and met an investor last week, right, at the Belfry. We didn't play golf. We were just meeting there for a, for a catch-up. And his first thing he said to me, he said, I'm a housing you or the homeless <laughs> employee. <laughs> Oh, burn. So, so I was like okay I know him took it a bit tongue-in-cheek but he spoke a number of times about my beard about my tardiness about my and I was like oh wow yeah uh so I think it actually matters right uh I am a bit more relaxed I, I'm that old now right <laughs> all my trendy stuff is my golf gear Right. Oh, this, I'm into my two-pound Primark T-shirts. When you've got four kids that just spill loads of paint, milk, food down you, I can just throw them away. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> if they come near my golf stuff, it might not be just the dog that gets <laughs> But, <laughs> but my, my, my point is, is it, what you wear and how you dress, and that impacts his first impressions, and it, it really does. And that cemented it for me last week
2: yeah. when
3: I had a big bushy beard. That's
2: so funny. I've had the same beard problem as well. I can totally see. <laughs> <play. Like,
1: laughs> like, you see the remnants of the, 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 the razor rash.
2: The, the five o'clock shadow is just sort of returning yeah. here. <laughs> I, I mean, actually, I mean, I think I'm aligned with you on that one. I, I've always, I always go on about it about how important it is to kind of just set the right tone that's authentic to you. So you're not trying to be something you're not, because that's obvious. But um, that, yeah, how you show up actually, deter- it sets the tone, right? It sets the tone.
0: Yeah. It would also probably make you feel very self-conscious from that point as well. When he said about the scruffy beard, everyone you meet thinking, "Do I look scruffy? Is yes. it that bad?"
3: <laughs> I had it shaved off the next day. I had a thing because I was like, "Yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't great."
1: I think there there are limits because you can there's like probably a bandwidth of of smart casual, and I I generally push the boundaries because I don't the hairdressers that often i'm not not one of these people that goes like every two weeks so that your hair's exactly the same
3: I haven't got but enough to keep going for every two weeks <laughs> know, tell me about it. it's ridiculous i think i think we can all we can all go and get like a two for one Matt. are you up for it turkey let's do it
1: what, what hair transplant hair?
3: yeah well let's That's go the whole cool. lot I, I fancy the teeth the nose and the and the hair
2: just oh, get just get an MOT? Yeah yeah yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, um, h- How long do you have to take off? It's at least a month to to kind of come back. My
3: only worry is, though, if you, when you try and get back in the country, will you look like your passport? You know what I mean? Because you've had it all
2: done. <laughs> <laughs> you said you have to say the
1: before, they say. So this, this, this was me last week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this was me this week, and my passport's over here somewhere
2: well if you like i'm quite happy i've got quite a bit of bifro going on so I'm, I'm happy to just donate some snippets and you just stick it on your head i'm sure that'll look absolutely fine I'll, I'll yeah. yeah cheap a, a nice little sort of cost-saving workaround for you both
1: Fantastic. well thank you so much you're welcome speaking, you're welcome. speaking of thank yous uh, thank you very much ian for being with us and sharing um your insights this week so i think no that's all. it
3: thank you for yeah. having me
1: not a problem at all welcome back anytime so Yay. it's a goodbye from me.
2: It's a goodbye from me.
0: It's a goodbye from me. And that's a goodbye from me.
1: Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and
0: see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast.
2: Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast.
0: Or you can email us at Podcast at outlook.com. See, See you, you on, on the next, next episode.
1: episode.